0: Maybe I want more time to spend on reading stuff, or I want more time to spend with my family. And once you understand where that these pain points are with your audience, it's a lot easier to create actual value in the way you express it and in what it, you express, so form and function as well.
1: Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, guys. Welcome. Today we are going to discuss about content creation and even more about creativity. Without creativity, I have no idea how to win results, how to get any results. You need to be creative to stand out from the rest. Uh, and show something that your competitors can't. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Octavia Drexler. How are you? All good. Nice, N- nice to meet you. Nice to learn from you. Octavia, before we start, just tell more about your experience background and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you.
0: I've been in content marketing since 2012, which is a long time. So I've seen the whole rise and fall of a lot of trends. But one thing. I didn't, I, I think stayed consistent is the importance of how you think and how you approach things in content marketing and generally digital marketing. I've worked with a lot of companies, mostly B2B, mostly tech, and especially um, in the SaaS area. I'm very bad at <laughs> saying things about myself, so <laughs> I'll take okay. any questions.
1: Okay, okay, let's, let's go. Let's jump. Uh, to the main topic, uh, and um, I want to ask about your methods of uh, creating content plan, um, especially for B two B. It's important to do it right uh, and to find topics that will bring results, not only traffic, likes, comments. It's more about sales, how many sales we can get, and how we can cover uh, a buying. Uh, persona, sales funnel, because I often see when companies chase high volume, but it doesn't mean that you can compete with Wikipedia, uh, Amazon, big websites, uh, and it's important to find topics with uh, low competition, but sales that can can help customers in their way. So, your tips how to do it right. Um,
0: How to do it right. Um you find topics indeed that are have a high commercial intent but more than anything you build an entire environment because to sell something anything that's one of the basic lessons any salesperson will um, share with you in the first 5 minutes to sell anything you need to set up a, a an environment that's proper for sell, sales in b2b there are multiple touch points because nobody buys um i don't know software or generally b2b products it, we don't tend to buy them impulsively on the contrary. There's like a whole team of people who decide what gets bought, what, uh, what, what kind of deals are made and so on and so forth. So to, um, make it to the deal, to the sale part, you need to set up environment for each of these touch points. It's very hard to know exactly which of these touch points points are, but when you think of, who your audience is in reality and what they really want you can feed them with multiple types of content that um show them you are the solution not always in a direct way because content isn't always meant to sell that directly but uh, they you you create the kind of content that positions you as a thought leader as an authority in your field builds trust so it's a whole environment To build. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and can you
0: tell from from the top of the funnel to the bottom?
1: Yeah, and how to learn the audience? For example, once I started to learn about online games, and what I did, I started to play these games (laughs) you know so uh, even when my son phoned me and told me oh you you told me I need to read books uh, but you play games no 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 I'm playing because someone paid me to play these games you need to understand why people want to play on these games So, uh, so I got payment 16k for my consultancy service and he replied to me what 16k uh, I I play for games, nobody p- plays m- me, but it's interesting why they are so stupid to pay you if I play a lot more, they need to pay me, you know, <laughs> then I can explain how it works. So, yeah, and um, for me, you know, when we start to speak about audience, I usually start to learn products, to understand why people use these products, how it can help, then I start to learn audience. Tell your insights, how to do it right, I mean, like, it's important to learn audience, but how to collect data about the audience and to unite with products
0: how to collect data about the audience um there's of course there's quantitative data which you can collect via your website or socials you know um, likes engagements uh traffic um impressions in in social media um that kind of stuff uh, and that is the thing that almost nobody actually does because it's actually pretty difficult is running surveys and actually discussing with your existing um, customers as well as with people who are in your target audience. Um, it's very hard, not because it's hard to make a, a survey, like <laughs> that that's the easiest part. Uh, it's very hard because it's difficult to get people to um, offer you the time to discuss with you, even for ten or uh, ten minutes. So um, the the only reasonable way to do this is by offering them some sort of incentive on 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 exchange in exchange for for their time. Um, so there's you need also to pay bribes. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, not necessarily bribes. Um, but they need to know that it, there's something in it for them. I'm not necessarily talking about you know vouchers or. Money or uh, discounts, but they need to understand they are ultimately doing this for themselves because it helps you build a better product that caters to their needs. Um, and on the other end, like on your end of the of the discussion, it helps you understand who they really are, how they discovered you, and um, what is the the missing piece of the puzzle because. Many times, especially in SaaS, you build a product, you know there is a need for for that product. And you build a product, but your audience doesn't know they need your product because it's so new or it's it's nothing they've ever thought of that you need to kind of approach them very early on in their thinking process. Like, say I need a content solution to help me post um, blog posts faster, right? Do not waste as much time on copy-pasting into WordPress, formatting, um, and so on and so forth. My first thought will be to search for a tool that helps me p- publish on WordPress faster, not for a tool that is, uh, I don't know what fancy word do you choose to add to your tagline, uh, content optimization, supercharging, rockets, 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 whatever. So yeah,
1: yeah, I got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's imagine we collect the data. We understand the audience and the most difficult task for any content creators uh, is to become creative, uh, yeah, like to stand out from the rest. If you create generic content, even AI content, uh, you can't stand out from the rest because AI is the best writing tool ever. Rewriting, not writing, and uh, but I use a lot AI, I get great results with AI, but I don't use to generate content from scratch, uh, from everything, and I can't do it for niches that I don't understand. So if you ask me about accounting, I can't, about texting, I can't, about uh, some niches, I don't know, any niche, uh, real estate, I can't, because it's not my main topic, but if you ask me about SEO, by the way, you don't need to ask me. Uh, i can do it myself you know because i love this topic i i can play with this tool i can create something new interesting and uh, i think it's important to stand out from the rest in marketing it doesn't matter what kind of marketing you do and i love this book so Godin, uh blue cow so you don't need to read this book to understand the uh, purple cow, sorry, purple Cow. Uh, you, you don't need to read this book to understand <laughs> the, uh, uh the content of this book so can you tell how to stand out from the rest? Okay, we have competitors, we have many content ideas, great content, but we need to bring new value. Your tips about that.
0: Um, how do you bring new value? Um, it, it goes back to your audience and understanding what they really want. Um, getting out of the robot talk. Um, we've done a lot of this before AI, so don't get me wrong. It's, this is not to... We don't blame the AI for the sea, the ocean of similar content or whatever you want to call it uh, and you start connecting uh, for example when I was writing like when I'm writing articles at, at Maple um, I always think of introductions that hook people into the article and make make them want want to actually read what's in there rather than just skim through the headlines and see to their lives Mm-hmm. um so that that's one way to to, to do it mm-hmm. um how do you do yeah is you talk to your sales team you talk to your customer service team um you do some social listening um you go on reddit on quora you try to understand really well who these people are and what is their actual pain point which is frequently not something business related but it's something emotional because i i'm not buying the tool i mentioned earlier about you know posting stuff on wordpress i'm not buying it because i don't know i'm buying it because i want more time maybe i want more time to spend on reading stuff or i want more time to spend with my family and once you understand where that these pain points are with your audience it's a lot easier to create actual value in the way you express it and in what you express. So form and function as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Once I spoke with Jim Edwards, and he worked in Business Insider 10 years. He started on this company from scratch. Then company was sold for $500 million. Great success. Uh, He was one of uh, top managers in this company. And he told me that success of Business Insider depends on creating non-boring content. Uh, if we speak about business B2B, it's boring in most cases. But uh, if you can create non-boring content, you can win your customers. And I know from my personal experience, for example, if I take any book from Jack London, Hemingway, I can read them and forget about meal, about water, about sleep, anything, because I can live on this book. I love them. If I take any business books, I know it's valuable for me. I need to know this insights, but it's boring. <laughs> many books are boring. It's tough to read them. Uh, you can lose your attention because I have many other thoughts, many things to do. So I can really uh, lose a logic chain of any book, business book. And I think it's very important to be not boring because people bounce fast. It doesn't matter what kind of content, YouTube content, TikTok, if you can't win them. Uh, they will bounce because it's the simplest way. Uh, it's not about valuable insights. Okay, uh, nobody knows it's valuable or not. If uh, it's boring, and they can bounce. So tell your insights. How to retain your audience in your content, in business content?
0: Well, I guess there are many ways. Um, the the basic rule is that, you know, I, I love this about, so there's this book called The Adweek Copywriting. Um, oh, guide. yeah, great book by Joseph Sugarman. And the whole basic, the core principle of it is that to to make your um, audience, your reader, consume your content or your copy, you have to think of it in terms of incremental steps. The first step is the headline, which has one goal and one goal only, to make the reader go to the second part, which is the subheadline. And the subheadline's purpose is to go further to uh, the introduction. And the way you do this is by actually connecting with who they are and what their needs are beyond, you know, blah, blah, business, blah, 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 supercharger, blah, blah. Um, I don't know, skyrocket your, I don't know. It's, there's a lot of buzzwords uh, going on in B2B. But we forgot that at the end of the day, this is human relationships. And um, we forgot that there is... Uh, there used to be like before the internet and before marketing got so big. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how things were in the U.S., but my father working worked in sales back in the '90s, mm-hmm. and the way they sold things was through relationships. I mean, you had yeah. to actually go out with people and you know drink with them or you know party with them, build those connections, build that trust. Uh, we've kind of we have more channels than ever to do this, and we have a farther reach than ever. But we fail to see the point of it. We
1: mm-hmm. get very
0: clogged in templates, in um, vanity metrics of all kinds. Um, and we forget that at the end of the day, there are actual humans beyond the screens.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. So, uh, can you list this vanity metrics? Uh, which metrics are vanity and how to find the right metrics? Uh, I don't know, like in content marketing strategy.
0: Um. <laughs> Essentially, I don't believe there are, like, traditionally likes, um, Mm -hmm. reactions, that kind of stuff. Those are considered vanity metrics. I don't think you should ignore them completely. They are an indication of something. Like, they are an indication you got somebody's attention. What is vanity is stopping there. You become vain when you think that just because you have three hundred likes on your, I don't know, LinkedIn post or whatever, <clears throat> you're excellent, and you're going to blow it out of the park, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's going to be a massive success. And but you need to go beyond that. You mm-hmm. need to go um, and see how people engage because that's where where actually when you you make somebody not just stop from the scrolling, you know, liking something is just a like, it's a microsecond action. But when you get people to actually interact with you, which is comment on your stuff or share it with with their peers or um, email in emails, in newsletters, in email marketing reply or share the the content in blog posts again, you can look at how much time they actually spend on the the on the page they're reading. So go beyond that. and then, and then go into um, what, how, what, what kind, what they click on, what they look at mostly. You can use mm-hmm. heat mapping tools for that. Um, how many yeah. of those things are converting? And it's it's very important to remember that again. I'm circling back to this. There are seven to eight statistically. There are seven to eight touch points in B two B marketing. Mm-hmm. So just because somebody clicked on a blog post on. Um, um schedule a demo or buy this product it doesn't mean that that blog post what was the one that converted them it means that was most likely a series of events micro events before that that gained their trust and made them convert
1: mm-hmm. nice nice love it love it valuable uh and you remind me when i posted something viral so i got like 300 uh 300k uh, views, but I I didn't get any sales. So, (laughs) that that was interesting, you know, to get all these likes, comments, but it didn't convert, it didn't bring any sales. So, uh, and for me, it's better if I get zero likes, zero zero comments, but I can sell uh, my products, you know, and I know some brands, companies can do it. They bring value uh, and they can find customers. It doesn't matter about likes or comments. Of course, it's, I like to get likes comments. If someone likes my content, why not? If someone wants to engage with my content to leave comments, I love it, but I don't chase them. For me, it's more important to get results, sales, (laughs) Uh, I want to ask about repurposing content. You mentioned about LinkedIn, about uh, social media, Uh, we have various formats, how we can win customers, SEO, various social media. uh, content marketing is huge. So, tell your methods how to repurpose content to different channels.
0: The simplest, well, it's not simple. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, you can share simple too. It's I love simple.
0: Simple in in marketing. It's never easy. Uh, the simplest, the, the easiest, the most straightforward way is by uh, taking your blog posts, for example. Splitting them in into little, not just copy pasting things from the blog, because what's written on the blog has a, a certain format, tone of voice, and so on and so forth. But taking chunks of it and sharing it on social as um, um, how do you call this that, that there is in platform content, like is on social media, for example, those platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Facebook, if you're using it, uh, they want to keep you there. So your job as a marketer isn't to push a link and hope, pray, people just click on that link and go back to your website. Your job is to offer them entertainment, first of all, because nobody goes on social media to you know be schooled. Uh, <laughs> uh, entertainment information in easy, very digestible nuggets. And then once they, again, we're circling back to this, once you gain their trust, you know collect their emails bring them on own space because you, you cannot rely on social media only or on just one channel only um because they are i mean the algorithms change linkedin might go uh, out of business tomorrow um twitter you know we've seen what happens with twitter when when things mm-hmm. change yeah. so yeah
1: yeah you mentioned about collecting emails and emails are powerful tool to sell any products so if you get right people in your email list you can sell a lot more and even big influencers like Brian Dean, he mentioned that he tried to monetize his uh, blog uh, in many different ways but 99 of all sales are coming from email list so all blogs serve to collect Emails, then he can sell products uh, by sending some pictures. Yeah. So uh, tell tell you how to incentivize people to encourage them to subscribe to your email because uh, I people uh, are lazy and uh, a- anyone can subscribe if they feel to get value. So um, I can subscribe if I know that uh, I can value in this email. So if I feel that I get spam, I I will never subscribe. So your tips how to do it right how to submit this call to action to uh, subscribe to any email list
0: um i guess there are two schools of thought regarding this the one is the more traditional dimension uh, playbook which is you offer something in return return like a pdf or something downloadable or i don't know a list of whatever an air table with one thousand companies that do XYZ. Um, And then collect emails like that, and then nurture those emails and send them newsletters and so on and so forth. Um, and there's a more relatively more recent, it's not actually very that recent school of thought that says, you know, just offer value for free. Don't do not gate anything and people will come.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I think both are valid options. Uh, in an ideal world, I, I'd go for the second one. Mm-hmm. In our world, I know that things m- must be measured. and I, mm-hmm. I know that it's very hard to get um, the kind of investor trust or a board trust mm-hmm. to believe that you're just putting out free stuff and people are coming because of that free stuff. Yeah, nice. so So, um, yeah. But it, there is a change ongoing in the marketing space. Um, a lot of pretty big people are talking about it, including people like the person, the people who made Marketo. Um, there is a shift towards being more of a media company, so to say, and like, I kind of feel like that, that's a buzzword as well at this point, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, nice, nice, love it, love it. Uh, Octavia, I want to ask about AI. It's tough to ignore this topic. And um, when Chat GPT appealed, um, 5% of marketers lost their jobs, content creators, marketers. Uh, and of course, I don't think that uh, these people lost jobs because of AI. I think they lost jobs because someone who can adapt to AI can replace them. So human beings. With AI, can do it much faster, much better. And uh, I use a lot AI. I create a lot of content with AI. It helps me a lot. We increased our results. We used before ChatGPT. Today, we use a lot more to get uh, great results. And I think it's a powerful tool uh, if you do it right. Tell your thoughts how to use AI right. Because uh, I think in the future, we will see a lot of shitty content i don't know yeah. uh, no value generic content because almost everyone can use ai and i know many content creators create content at scale once i got a client who told me uh he's going to create 20 uh thousand pages with ai content i asked him why why Why? you have have twenty thousand pages because I want to cover all topics. What? Why you need to cover all topics? Cover five topics, but create the best possible content, high quality content. Why you need to have twenty thousand shitty content? Nobody cares. Even if you create five great copies, how Google and other can figure out that you have quality content between this uh, sea of uh, shitty topics? So tell your methods how to use AI to get results.
0: um Work with the AI, do not let the AI work with you, for you. Um, it can make things a lot faster, but you do need human input. And I'm not talking about, you know, making your content super, you know, like a soap opera or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But the more we rely on AI the more we get caught in a self-replicating mechanism because the AI is fed with, I don't know, the top 10 or t- top 20 search results. I'm just giving an example here. If the AI, like chat GPT-4, um, it can access the internet and, you know, pull new information. If it keeps replicating the same stuff over and over and over again, we'll end up not just going out of jobs because it won't work, we'll we'll end up ruining the internet as a whole like the an entire system could crumble and i know it sounds super apocalyptic but uh, i tend to not undermine the power of wanting to do things very easy and very fast which is ai is feeding straight into that my take is use it in a balanced way i guess um, i'm I'm not a huge fan of what it does, but I can agree that it does a lot of things well like um it could help you edit stuff um not not edit uh, the content itself but edit for grammar or edit to make it sounds in a specific style um, it can help you generate basic skeletons on which you then build it can help you um pretend it's somebody like if you don't like say you're a freelancer right and you do not have access to um you know discussing with customers directly with your customers customers um you can go into uh,
1: you know my dogs take part on this podcast as well with my cat so <laughs> yeah go ahead
0: you can go into chat gpt and ask it not to create content from the perspective of your customer, but to have an actual discussion, you say, you know, pretend you're a salesperson looking for a software that does X, XYZ. And try to find from there a kind of a point where you can um, hook, you, you can create a hook for for your introduction, for example. Um, there are a lot of ways to create like there are a lot of ways to work with the machine but i emphasize this it's extremely important to understand that the machine is not there to do things for you but with you yeah um i'll give you an example when spreadsheets like excel first came out it didn't replace accountants yeah we still need them yeah um, and I think that's the way it will go with marketers as well once things settle. Because there was a bubble around AI. There was a lot of buzz. Uh, there were a lot of promises that you know, were made in general. But yeah. I, I'm not sure if if it will deliver. Uh, if you look at the Gardner hype cycle, so Gardner, the, the research, the mega research company, they do a thing. For most industries, they do a, a hype cycle every year. They basically take into account a lot of data points and they calculate how likely it is for specific technologies to be at any of the five point in a hype cycle. The hype cycle is like for the, the very early adopters, then there's a hype, then there's a trope of disillusionment with almost every new technology. There's a plateau and then there's productivity. Right now, AI is in the, the hype area. And we need to brace ourselves and understand that there is a trope of uh, that there is a throw of uh, disillusionment coming. Yeah, uh, and we need to be prepared for that. Which is why I believe that the five percent of marketers who lost their jobs might actually either get them back or build something on their own um, from here on. So, yeah, if I'm not, I'm to be optimistic, which is very not. Like myself, I'm from Eastern Europe, and we're not, we're not very optimistic here. Um, Uh,
1: You know, I I think uh, I can leave my input about that. I think uh, uh, if you compete with human beings, then you can beat other human beings. If you compete with terminators, we have no chance. (laughs) So, uh, but today we compete with others who use AI. So if you can use AI, you can beat them uh, because uh, we are humans. We use this tool to increase productivity, improve results, uh, to increase speed. Of course, AI is not creative, but it's a great tool to save your time. It's a great tool. But when Terminators will come to this land, of course, It will be hard. We need to find weapons, you know, to to destroy these machines.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a, that's my, one of my main concerns with AI is that it's a race to the bottom. Like I create 1000 articles and then my competitor creates 1015 articles. And then where do we go from here? And it's all pointless if we don't actually have a strategy behind it. If we don't actually connect, as I was saying earlier, um, with, with who our audience is. Because you can create fa- thousands of articles
1: mm-hmm.
0: like that. Uh, without, okay. quality. And, without quality.
1: Without <laughs> quality. Yeah.
0: And, and, you know, you'll get traffic. You'll probably beat Google's algorithm. You'll break all the search results. And... <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't yes. think so. <laughs> it's possible to beat today Google with AI. Yeah, you can with AI content. Actually, you, you with high-quality content.
0: And we've done it. And um, you, you can not purely AI content. So it's mm-hmm. never it's never purely AI content. But you can do it. The question is how long this will last because Google makes money in two ways. Mm-hmm. Ads in search and ads in AdSense, like on websites. Neither of these work if there is no content. So if Google keeps pushing low quality content, they lose users and the websites lose traffic and eventually Google loses money. I I hope this makes sense. But the entire model of Google is based on content, actually, in reality. So yeah. I, I doubt they will actually kill kill all content ever or all SEO because it's it's their model.
1: I I think that everything has them, including big companies like Google. And I remember when Jeff Bezos said about Amazon. Uh, he said on meeting in Amazon with Amazon team that Amazon will be bankrupt in one day because all big companies. Uh, can be replaced and uh, if we check history uh, new companies are coming Google came in 2000 uh, Apple came uh, yeah before that uh, but uh, uh, I remember Nokia was great many big companies and this world is a quickly changing world we need to move and adapt fast I don't care about Google Really, it's a big company. They have billion dollars, uh, a lot of revenue. But if Google will have the end, all SEOs can adapt to a new channel. All specialists can adapt, like marketers on TV and radio. They didn't lose jobs. Yeah,
0: exactly. They... Radio didn't. By the way, did you, did you know that radio didn't kill the, vi- the video didn't kill the radio star? Yeah. That statistically, people actually still listen to radio just as much as they did before before mm-hmm. uh, video.
1: Yeah, Um. but but today we can record this podcast. Yeah, it's like radio, (laughs) almost radio, but a new format. So uh, it doesn't matter. Customers can switch attention. And if you have experience with creating high quality content, you can win at any channel and uh, it will be LinkedIn, TikTok, Google, YouTube. I don't care. (laughs) So we need to switch attention to channels that will work. For uh, your specific project. And um, of course, Google is uh, looking for ways how to uh, compete with uh, uh, chatbots. And today we see BART, we see Gemini is coming, search generative experience, many things. Google doesn't want to lose this trade market. But Customers are looking for ways how to simplify experience. So if Google can't, other channels can can, and marketers can adapt to any other channel. Uh, Octavia, I want to ask about your experience. Uh, It's important uh, to know how to learn from scratch for students who are looking for ways how to do it and for uh, founders who have online projects and want to get sales results to learn the basic to cooperate with great experts. Tell, what will you do today if you started from scratch?
0: If I started in content marketing from scratch?
1: Yes. Uh, you have zero knowledge. You didn't create any piece of content. You didn't create any strategy, but you want to learn how it works to become an expert in one day.
0: In one day? Impossible.
1: Uh, no, not, not in one day. I mean, like, in one... Great day. <laughs> of course it yeah, takes
0: time. Yeah, okay. um, I would prob- probably focus more on social content or TikTok content or YouTube content. Whatever content doesn't make you live under a rock. Because when I was starting out in content writing, um, it didn't have a name. <laughs> i mean it was just article writer, or <laughs> i don't know business writer or marketing writer whatever um and for the longest time i spent a lot of time in in content meals and uh, you know living under a rock and in the shadows um and it hasn't served me well i mean not just financially but when you're out in public you're also more um Eager to learn more rather than stagnate. Um so yeah, I would be more public about my my work. I would start out for free probably. Mm-hmm. It's not like you know, my first articles on upwork. Actually, mm-hmm. it wasn't upwork, it was Elance or Odesk. Yes, Odesk. Yeah. Um it's not like they were paid very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would start to build more in public and I would look up, look for mentors which Um, I never had an actual one mentor, but I did have a lot of managers and mentors uh, throughout my career. Um, I would start actively uh, searching for them a lot sooner and Mm -hmm. uh, being a bit more brave about how I approach things uh, about my career Mm -hmm. and practice and never like one of the most important things I've learned is that you're never good enough. I, I know... I know people, you know, on, you're good enough. You're just, yeah, you are good enough. You don't, you know, don't go into a depression and, you know, uh, <laughs> start crying the river. Uh, but there's always room for improvement. I mean, yeah. don't get arrogant. That's, you know, stay humble. Of course. Of which course. is also a mistake I've made. Yeah. I, I was either too humble or not humble at all. And it, it sort of clashed at some point.
1: Yeah, if you're not curious, if you're not humble, if you're not hungry, then you will lose. You have no chance to beat others who are curious, (laughs) who are hungry to uh, get more. So, yeah, uh, and uh, you can achieve the highest level. You can achieve a new stage and go ahead. Like Cristiano Ronaldo, like Leo Messi, they can achieve everything. Yeah, they... Achieved everything on their lives, but they keep uh, doing what they love. Uh, and I learned about some great sportsmen, the champions of the world. Um, they mentioned, for example, in in the end of career, they usually cheat themselves. They can become uh, again champions of the world because uh, they wanna keep uh, working hard. You know, so uh, um, it, it's not bad if you. Uh, and for example. I, I read a few great books about Procter and Gamble, about other big brands and when uh, such companies uh, beat almost all competitors much better than competitors. They are looking for ways how to keep growing and what they did, they create internal competition in internal teams because uh, they know, okay, they have no competitors. All competitors are far away from them, but they need this competition and they create competi- competition in internal teams you know, to become much better products. So, yeah, great insights about that. And, uh, Octavia, I have my final question about the future. I want to ask you take your crystal ball and let us know what kind of future will be in content yes, marketing. I was,
0: hoping, I was hoping you asked me for my crystal ball. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, your prediction about content marketing future and how we can adapt to this possible future.
0: (laughs) Oh, um, we're clearly going through a storm right now because nobody actually knows where to go. Um, I think the whole AI hype will settle down. I mean, at some point, even accountants stopped being excited about Excel. Um, AI will become a tool in the tool stack. You can use it or not use it. Um, It it depends on your strategy at the end of the day. But very importantly, I think that the brands that will win in the coming years are the brands that will build audiences focusing on human human connections rather than, um, again, empty metrics. Um, It's far more important to have... Um, loyal followers, who recommend you to others, who um, talk about you, who engage with you on social media, than to have, um, I don't know, one-off sales that, you know, will eventually churn. With AI content, there's a high likelihood that there will be a lot of sameness, um, because I'm fully convinced A large part of the people who use AI will just copy-paste whatever they get and, you know, (laughs) push it out. Um, But I think that it will all come full circle on the brands that create marketing strategies that entertain and connect and offer real value to people. Um, I hope this makes sense. I think we're we're heading to a new era of creativity. Um, I actually did a post, I think five five months ago. I think marketing and advertising go through stages. There is there was like the big boom in the sixties with all of those creative ads and you know all the ads you know and still study to the date. And then it start that started to fall and then. Towards the end of the 90s and beginning of the 2000s, we started being a lot more data-driven because we had all these new channels. Techno- technology allowed us to actually measure people at every stage of the funnel. And I think we're coming full circle on uh, being a little bit more creative, which does not mean you should talk about your, I don't know, socks or strawberry feels in a B in B2B content, it just means you have to think more creatively about the solutions you approach and how you approach them. Because yes, it is B2B, but yes, there are people beyond the, the screens. So we'll have to find new ways. It will be harder, but we'll mm-hmm. have to find new ways to build build these uh, bridges between us and the, uh, our audiences.
1: Nice. Love it, love it. So valuable. I agree. Uh, what I like in marketing that we need to adapt fast whatever happens we need to go ahead to consider new technologies uh, to consider new channels to jump faster than competitors because marketing is a quickly changing world if you speak about accounting nothing changed for 20 years i spoke with my brother, <laughs> they still calculate in spreadsheet and calculators yeah of course they use some tools well but
0: actually Actually, if you live in Romania, you live on your toes as an accountant because they keep changing the la- la- laws like every six months. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, Octavia, it's a big pleasure to get to my show. I love it. So valuable. It. You're so kind to share this valuable bombs with us. Tell us the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you.
0: Um, You can find me on LinkedIn. I also have a newsletter on creative thinking. Um. With, I send it out weekly, or that, that's the goal. I haven't always been that that consistent with it. And I share tips on how to manage creativity and how to find ways to work with creative thinking in today's environment. Not you know paint flowers or whatever. Although you know I'm all in. If you're a painter or an artist or anything, but my focus is creating um, creative thinking in business. For creatives, for founders, for team managers who need to push their teams uh, a little better, um, that, that, kind of, that, that kind of stuff. But you know, mostly on LinkedIn.
1: Nice, nice, love it, love it. Guys, you can find links to Octavia Drexler in the description below. Subscribe to newsletter because I'm going to subscribe. I need to get more valuable insights. I recommend to anyone to follow Octavia on LinkedIn to keep learning. To find something valuable because as we mentioned, marketing is a quickly changing world. You need to adapt fast. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for tuning in to Unmiss. Enjoyed the show? Drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom. See you next episode.